0: Well, again, good morning. Thank you, Pastor Ray. Those who are leading, if by chance you are not yet in Leviticus chapter 16, would you go ahead and turn there where Pastor Ray was just reading? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 16. So this morning, we want to continue our Hebrews series. Hebrews, of course, is a book near the end of the New Testament, and we'll intentionally look at Leviticus 16 as we continue our series in Hebrews. This is our key text, Leviticus 16, and our title this morning will be Leviticus 16, or uh, the Day of Atonement, Jesus and the Gospel. Leviticus 16, Jesus and the Gospel. This morning we have the great opportunity, as you may have noticed on the email or as you've noticed with your eyes this morning, to observe the Lord's Supper. And so before we go to our time of the Word, which, which is very important, and we certainly ask for the Lord's help in the preaching and in the hearing and in the subsequent obeying of the Word, we also think about this, which will take place after the preaching let me lead us in a in a time of prayer of confession. i tell you what, if you're physically able, let's stand for prayer this morning. And let me tell you, I'm going to lead us in a prayer of confession. There will also be a brief moment during my prayer uh, when we have silence where you can confess silently before the Lord, again, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper later. And then at the end of, of the prayer that I lead, let's... Pray out loud together what we call the Lord's Prayer. I'll lead us in that. You join me. We'll, we'll use the uh, the King James type language. And near the end, we'll use the word trespasses. Because that can sometimes be which, which, which one we're going to go for. We'll go with trespasses. Let's pray. Let's bow together and pray. Heavenly Father, how amazing that we can address you as our Abba Father. All because of Jesus, who was descended from the royal line of David and declared to be your son by his glorious resurrection from the dead. We thank you, Lord, that you have saved us from the guilt and power of our sins by his death, but we confess that we still struggle with our sin and often fall short of your glory. We confess that the root of all our sin is that we still resist the truth of your authority and holiness because we want to do what is right in our own eyes. We confess that we often exchange the truth of your infinite glory for degrading lies and worship and serve anything and everything but you. We confess that our hearts often overflow with lust, envy, conflict, Deceit, gossip, rebellion, pride, disobedience, and selfishness. We confess that we are often foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. And we confess that those who practice such things deserve to die. Hear us now, O Lord, as we silently confess our sins to you. Lord, we praise you for the gospel of your son, the power of God to save us from the uttermost of our sin and misery to the uttermost of forgiveness and new life. And so we say with the psalmist, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And with our heads still bowed, let us pray together. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth Again, with our Bibles, turn to Leviticus chapter 16, the Day of Atonement. I ask you to listen uh, very carefully as I read a paragraph from the New Testament. Hey, we're not going to have this on the screen. You know, I'm not going to ask you to turn there. But would you listen carefully to this this morning? It says, now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared. The first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence, it is called the holy place. Just reading to you from Hebrews 9, 1 through 10. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place or the holy of holies. Having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold In which was a golden urn holding the manna, and Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. I'm going to keep reading this in just a moment. What's going on here? This is a paragraph in the New Testament. It's from the book of Hebrews, and he's giving us a nice, wonderful, tight summary of a decent chunk of the Old Testament. He's wonderfully summarizing for us Exodus 25-31. through Now listen. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties. But into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood Regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. Robert Murray McShane lived, I don't know, maybe two centuries ago. Some of you have heard of that name, Robert Murray McShane. He's famous in one sense for a a Bible reading plan, a yearly Bible reading plan that many Christians still use today. Even though some of you might know the name Robert Murray McShane, he's not one of the leading lights of church history. He's not one of your Spurgeons or Amber Thompsons or Ben Thomas or something like that. Robert Murray McShane was a famous Scottish pastor and preacher. Even though he died in 1843 at the age of 29, he was renowned for being a man of integrity and personal holiness. McShane one time said, the thing that my people need most from me is my holiness. Yet despite this, despite how holy of a man he was, he died at age 29. He was not perfect, but he was an upright man. He pursued the Lord in all genuineness. Despite what a great man of true holiness he was, he made a remarkable diary entry towards the end of his life. He's he's in his journal. He's in his diary. He stated this. He stated his wish to spend more time in confession. In fact, he longed to set aside one whole day a month for confessing his sins to God. This is what he said in his diary. I want to to set aside one day a month just for the purpose of confessing my sins to God. I'm, I'm getting this from a man named Harper, and he goes on to say this. He says, Why would a devoted Christian of outstanding godly character want to do that? Perhaps our surprise says less about McShane than it does about our complacency towards sin. I was listening to Pastor James' sermon from last week. It has something to do with this. It is easy to content ourselves with the notion that confession simply involves saying, I'm a sinner. That's easy. Confession, yes, I'm a sinner. But when we get to specifics in confession, When we get to the seriousness of our wrongdoing, as Pastor James preached last week from 1 John, and as I believe as he brought in the Apostle Paul, shall we we sin that grace may increase? Is that what the death of Christ, is that what the death of Christ on the cross means? That we're free to just live any old way that we want? I think Harper probably has it right. I, I can't think of how I could spend one day in... Total confession, because I'm not always as, I'm sure as I'm not always as specific as I need to be, but maybe this says more about us than it does about Robert Murray McShane. As we come to Leviticus chapter 16 this morning, again, in our series on Hebrews, and as we think about the Day of Atonement, Jesus, and the Gospel, we think about one of the most Significant days for us as a country. Grateful for our country. We pray for our country. We don't despise our country. We think about July the 4th, an Independence Day. And certainly one of the most significant days for ancient Israel was this called the Day of Atonement. You need to know this. Just Just on the basic surface level, you need to know Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16. It's actually coming up praise God through Jesus Christ for Christians, this day is no more. Because it finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ and specifically in the substitutionary death of Christ on our behalf. But this day remains specifically for the the Jewish people. It's coming up, I think it's September the 25th. You may have heard Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It's a It's a solemn day for them. It's a day that we pray they would see, that they would come to realize is fulfilled in Messiah Jesus. But it's a solemn day for them. Um, it's the Passover is a humongous day for Israel and for the, for the Jewish people. I, I mentioned just the great day for us, July the 4th. This is a very important day. Look at it again, Leviticus chapter 16. Look at it again with me. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses in Leviticus 16 too, tell Aaron, your brother, Not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body, and he shall tie the linen sash around his waist, and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burn offering. And Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonements. By the way, that phrase, make atonement, is just all the time in these 34 verses. There's 34 verses. Make atonement is certainly the most frequent word or, or two words. He shall, verse 6, make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Have you ever heard of the... Uh, we'll stop right there for just a second. you ever heard of the, uh, somebody referred to as the fall guy? The fall guy, you know. And and you may already know that we need to think a little bit about something called the, the scapegoat. We see that here. But lest we get ahead of ourselves, let's look here. Let's look in the text. This is so important. And it's so important also because of how it points us to the gospel and to Jesus Christ. So we see, first of all, in the text, notice it with me. Are you ready? Number one, number one, not to come at any time. I'm just pulling that phrase right out of the text. Number one. Not to come at any time. Okay, this is verses 1 and 2. Not to come at any time. Look at it again with me. The Lord spoke to Moses, Leviticus 16, 1 and 2, after the death of the two sons of Israel when they drew near before the Lord and died. And they what does it say at the end of verse 1? They died this past Wednesday night. We were just thinking about a man named Uzzah. In 2 Samuel and also in the book of Chronicles, you remember the story of Uzzah? It seems like he was doing something good. He touches the ark, maybe to steady it, and he the Lord killed him. Verse 2, And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, here it is, not to come at any time. Now, well, that's very welcoming. Put welcome mats in front of your door. You Put a sign, welcome him not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. For I am holy, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. So notice the negative there in verses one and two. Notice the negative. Uh, the Lord speaks to Moses and he says, Moses. Moses, Aaron needs to know this. Aaron needs to know this. This is important. He cannot come at just any old time that he wants to into the holy place. Moses, tell Aaron, make sure that he knows he's not allowed just at any old time that he wants to to come into the holy place, much less the holy of holies or the most holy place. There's history here, friends. There's history here. And to understand verses 1 through 34 which we won't be able to do justice to every verse, we need to get this foundation. We need to get this foundation. So go back to chapter 10. Flip back to chapter 10. Go there with me. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. Aaron is the high priest, right? Aaron's the high priest. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized, or John MacArthur has a book called Strange Fire, strange fire before the Lord, which He had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Which is to say, the Lord killed them. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said, Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. Friend, you don't think God is concerned for His glory? You don't think God is jealous for His glory? And Aaron, the high priest, who's Aaron? He's the high priest and he's the daddy. He's the father. But God is holy and Aaron knows what he must do. At the end of verse 3, Aaron, what? Held his peace. Do you see that? So Nadab and Abihu, the sons of the high priest, the sons of the chief priest, are coming in. We, we If we were to read on, they're imbibing alcohol. They're drinking it's probably very likely that in their drunken stupor that they are going to make their way unauthorized into the holy of holies but friends hebrew says listen to me our god is a consuming fire he is holy we must not play games with this holy god he is holy and i love what it says there in chapter 10 and by the way, again, this is this is in some ways why the Day of Atonement exists, why chapter 16 exists. Aaron, this is how you do it, because that was how you don't do it. Because I'm holy and I will not spare, because I will be sanctified, and before the people I will be glorified. So this is the crucial foundation of for Leviticus chapter 16. And you just tie it back to 16.1. Let's bring, the, bring it full circle, okay? Chapter 16, verse 1. Please look at the text, or if you don't have it, listen. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. That's Nadab and Abihu. That's chapter 10. That's strange fire. That's probably them going into the Holy of Holies they're dead, when they drew near before the Lord and died. Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place. So that's point number one. Point number one is this. I'll say it in a different way. The door is not open. Maybe in the south more so than other places. Um, I I miss my mama who, who died in 2004. Maybe in the south we say more than other regions, Honey, the door is always open. You just come on in anytime you want. My door is always open to you. You don't need to knock. You just come right in. This is not that. This is not that. This is verse 2. Tell him not to come in at any time. The door is not open, number one. Number two, uncleanness. Number two, uncleanness. We see that Leviticus chapter 16, the crucial foundation of this chapter, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, a most solemn day for for the people of Israel, we see that its foundation is Leviticus chapter 10. But we also need to see here in just a second that another critical reason why Leviticus 16 exists is because of the uncleanness of the people. This is really important. Because of the uncleanness of the people, another way that I could say point number two would be by asking you some, some weird questions this morning. Let me just pose this weird question in two parts. Are things like uh, sexual relations in marriage or a woman's time of the month? are those things bad, or in some ways, if we're just honest at the end of the day, they're actually a little bit sinful? As I said, that may seem like a strange question. What are you talking about the woman's time of the month or, or sexual relations within marriage? Are those things, at the end of the day, they're, 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 actually, they're actually sinful? Well, first of all, look at chapter 16. Look at chapter 16, verse 16. Look at 16, 16. I want you to see this idea that is so important in Leviticus about clean and unclean. 16:16 16, 16, Leviticus 16:16 16, 16. Thus he shall there it is again make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleannesses of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions all their sins And so he shall do for the tent of meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleannesses how many times is that for uncleannesses two times so far right By the way, he's making atonement for the people and for the place because the people's sin made the place messed up. Verse 17, no one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle, verse 19, some of the blood on it with his fingers seven times and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleannesses. He's not just saying uncleanness; he's saying uncleannesses of the people of Israel. Verse 19, uncleannesses. Verse 16, at the end, uncleannesses verse 16 in the middle uncleannesses chapter 15 at the end look chapter 15 at the end verse 31 thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling their tabernacle their tab- my tabernacle that is in their midst people of God were unclean atonement had to be made chapter 15 verse 32 chapter 15 friends 32 and 33 summarizes everything he's been saying in all of chapter 15 he's been talking about bodily discharges bodily discharge this is the law for him who has a discharge and for him who has an emission of semen becoming unclean thereby also for her who is unwell with her menstrual impurity that is for anyone male or female who has a discharge and for the man who lies with the woman who is unclean. That's why I pose that question, because we see this is actually very, listen to me, this is very important in chapter 16. This is why atonement needs to be made, because God is holy, God is holy, His people must be holy, and there is this distinction between clean and unclean. We see it clearly in chapter 16, we see it in the whole book, we see it in a way that makes us blush, perhaps in chapter 15 with these bodily discharges. Listen, I get this from a a pastor. I found it very helpful. Listen to this. To understand this idea of clean versus unclean, it might be helpful to picture a graph, a great big circle called clean. Almost everything in life would be inside the circle. This was the normal state of most things. By the way, if you say that sexual relations inside of marriage are, at the end of the day, kind of bad or even sinful. You're going against the New Testament and the Creator and God and the Bible. Um, So this is the point that this pastor is making. Circle is clean. Almost everything in life is in there. Some kinds of food were declared unclean and would have been outside the circle. And through certain actions, clean things could be pushed outside the circle and become unclean. Yet being unclean was not an irredeemable state. Most unclean things could be cleansed and brought back into the circle of clean, the clean circle. And unclean things were not necessarily wrong or even avoidable. A person who committed immoral actions such as adultery, homosexuality, murder, and many other things listed in the book of Leviticus was certainly unclean. But so too, so too was someone who had a miscarriage or an infectious skin disease a person could be made unclean by a number of activities that the Israelite, average Israelite was right to engage in. The average Israelite was right to engage in these things, but they would become unclean. Say someone had died and you were preparing a corpse, that would make you unclean. You should do it, but then you would have to tend to certain measures to remedy your ceremonial uncleanliness. Sexual intercourse in marriage, menstruation, and childbirth all made you unclean, Though none of these things were sin, they were all good and right. If you commit clear sin, you're clearly unclean. But not all things that make you unclean, according to Leviticus, are sin. Sin makes you unclean, but not all things that make you unclean, according to Leviticus, are sin. Some of them are normal and right and good. And we see here in Leviticus chapter 16... This drumbeat over and over and over again, the uncleannesses of the people of Israel, the uncleannesses of the people of Israel. And again, God is holy. So it's not just the people who need atonement or covering, atonement or covering for their sins. It's the place. God's holiness in the old covenant affects the place. So today in this auditorium, we don't cleanse this auditorium. But the tabernacle, of which we read about earlier in Hebrews 9, 1 through 10, again, such a great summary, the tabernacle, the place, it's very clear here. He's making atonement by the blood of animals for people and for place. The people were unclean. And the Lord has special and specific provisions for their uncleanness. Point number one, the door is not open. The door is open one time a year for one person if he follows the right procedure. You with me? This is not in the Bible. You've heard this a lot maybe. Maybe it was true. It's not in the Bible that the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and he had a rope tied around his waist or a rope tied around his foot. That's not in the Bible. doesn't mean that it definitely didn't happen. Maybe it did. If it's true, then what it shows is the seriousness with which Israel thought about the Day of Atonement. Because it was a real threat. Even if you're the chief priest who's not, who's not like your sons, getting drunk and wandering into the Holy of Holies. Even if you're a good guy. If you don't follow the Lord's commands, He may very well kill you. Because He's holy. the door is not always open number 2 is uncleannesses uncleannesses but then we just need to make sure without looking at every verse we just what what what's the message of leviticus 16 and leviticus these 34 verses what is the i've already told you it's it's yom kippur it's the day of atonement it's a solemn day it's a day it fascinates me as it probably does you you have these other animal sacrifices you have you have a bull you have a ram But, of course, the thing that many people find most interesting is the thing that I do, is at the centerpiece you have these two goats, right? You have two goats. And so he is to choose by casting lots, two goats from among the people of Israel. If you're familiar with this at all, you know this. If not, that's okay. But there's these two goats. One is to be used as an offering of purification for the sins of the people. And one is typically called, in the King James, and I agree with this, it's called the scapegoat. You can see in the in the footnote of your Bible, you can see that people, this word that Pastor Ray read, Azazel, we'll look at it again in just a second, Azazel, Azazel, what is that? There's a, even a sense which today we don't fully know, but I go with the scapegoat. So one of the, there's two goats, one of them dies, and it's like a, it's, a, it's a typical sacrifice, typical animal sacrifice, where it's slaughtered and offered on behalf of the people, and the other one, The other goat that we call the scapegoat, the high priest puts his hands on the head of the scapegoat. And then in front of the people, he sends it away by a man who is in readiness. There's a man who's ready to take the scapegoat on which the high priest has placed his hands, symbolically picturing the sins of God's people transferred onto the head of the scapegoat. Oh, let me get ahead of myself here for a second. That God not only makes purification for our sins by the one goat, but he sends our sins away as far as the east is from the west through the blood of Jesus Christ. Our sins are taken away. And so this, this scapegoat, listen to me, is sent away by a man in readiness. Here's, here's another thing that's not in the Bible. Doesn't mean it's not true. It's just not in the Bible. They would send the goat away. Look at this in just a second. They would send the goat away into the wilderness. Goat, boys and girls, here's the, here's the high priest. He's going to confess all of the sins of Israel. I don't know exactly what that looked like. He's going to confess all of the sins of Israel while his hands are on the head of the goat. I don't, does that take three hours? Or, and then he sends the goat away, and this is not in the Bible, but some say that then they the man in readiness takes the goat to a ledge, pushes him over the ledge. If that's true... That's so that the goat could never come back into the camp. If that's true, so that he could never come back into the camp. The point is that the sins of the people only for one year, only for that day, are sent away. It's a new start. It's a brand new start. This whole 34 verses is thankfully summarized in verses 6 through 10. 34 verses is the author kind of, kind of helpfully summarizes everything in verses 6 through 10. Leviticus 16, 6. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself. He's got he's to start with himself and his family, or else he's going to mess the whole day up and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Later on today, you go home and just underline every time, make atonement. This chapter is about substitution. Verse 7, Then he shall take two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And again, what is Azazel? Is that a place? Is that is it a demon? Is it is it a scapegoat? Scapegoat is what I think it is. And verse 9, And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. Verse 10, But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. Now glance down at verse 20. Look at verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat scapegoat, and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, see that, and all their transgressions, all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. We're not going to look at this today, but that man, was that man doing something good or bad? The man in readiness. Look at it. He was doing something good, right? What a privilege that would be. He became unclean. He was not doing something sinful. He had to bathe himself and cleanse himself when he came back. Verse 22. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area. And he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. So maybe not the cliff, right? And then let's just glance down at verse 29. Look at the word. Piper says, Look at the book. And it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work. This is going to be a special Sabbath for you. You should fast, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It's a Sabbath of solemn rest to you. You shall afflict yourselves. You you should fast. It's a statute forever. And so on and so forth. The day of atonement. One brother summarizes it like this. Listen. Leviticus 16. What is it? The only way of access into the presence of the Lord is by the application of the atoning blood on the mercy seat and the removal of the sins of the repentant by placing them on a scapegoat. The only way of access into the you've got this tent, and you've got this big room, and you've got this other room to which one man only, one the access to God, access to God, fellowship with God is actually limited to one man on one day out of the year. And so we turn as we close to Hebrews chapter nine. Hebrews chapter 9. You need to remember that this perfectly and beautifully points to the death of Christ. Remember and that are at home, the hymn, the power of the cross. Let that be a help to you perhaps this week. Remember that Leviticus 16, if it's about one thing, it's about sacrifice, yes, but it's about substitution. The animal, the clean animal, without spot or blemish, in the place of the people. So we are talking about sacrifice, we're talking about substitution. We're talking about the scapegoat. There's three S's. Scapegoat, sacrifice, substitution. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But when Christ appeared. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. Then through the greater and more perfect tents, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all. That's it. That's it. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Let me reason with you guys. Let me reason with you. Verse 13, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's what you and I need this morning. We need. Listen, friend, you and I need a quickening. You need a quickening. You need to be quickened from death to life if you haven't been. You need to look to Christ who is the Lamb of God. Behold, John 1, 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Our consciences are stained. Our consciences are bad. We live and we serve ourselves. We serve a God who is no God, dead works, and we're saved unto good works by the only work that is supremely good, which is the work of Christ. This is life. This is the the good life to follow Jesus Christ and to live by His grace in all kinds of good works. Not so that we get any glory, but we get all the glory to God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, and it's a life lived in service of others in the church first and foremost, and then the world, and in praise to God. It's a life of freedom. It's a life of freedom. A clear conscience. A clear conscience through the blood of Jesus Christ. No more dead works. No more dead works. You can serve the living God Therefore, verse 15, He is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. I need to linger with you for a moment. I need to linger with you. Go back to Hebrews 9, 6. Look at this. This is beautiful. Hebrews 9, 6. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties. I told you, this is like an amazing summary. You still need to read the Old Testament, but man, what a gift this is. But into the second only, the high priest goes. And he, but once a year. And not without taking blood. Which he offers for himself and for the, now this is interesting, for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet open as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, the old arrangement, the old arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I need to tell you something and then we're done. You who are here today, listen to me. I don't care if you look at me or not, listen to me. You who are here today, on the cusp of throwing in the towel on Christianity, on the Lord On your faith, Hebrews says, stay with Jesus. You who are here today and are thriving, you are thriving in your walk with the Lord and his people. You, stay with Jesus. You who are here today and are somewhere in the middle, maybe that's most of us, you're neither on the brink, you're not on the brink of immediate apostasy, nor are you feeling like every day is happy in heaven. You stay with Jesus. I haven't hit your situation in my description so far. Then you, you stay with Jesus. Nobody knows your situation. Nobody understands and that frustrates you. I don't say this lightly. The Lord knows you stay with Jesus. You are here this morning and you're not a believer. You're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're glad that you're here. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come and welcome. Come and welcome Jesus Christ. He lived and died for sinners. He was crucified, buried, and rose again. He lives. Come to Jesus. And you too stay with Jesus. He wants his people to know the forgiveness of their sins and full assurance. He's out for your joy. He's out for your robust joy. He shed his blood to this end. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for your help as we come and as we prepare for this table Lord Jesus, that you have spread by living a perfect life, being born of a virgin, living under the law, fully God, fully man, son of God, son of man, son of David. Thank you for all of your perfection. We thank you for your throne, Lord Jesus, the cross. We thank you for the clear picture of substitution that we see in Leviticus chapter 16. Thank you for substitution. Thank you for penal substitution. Thank you for substitutionary atonement. Thank you that you, O God, you make atonement for our uncleannesses. You are holy. We are not. We are saints only through Jesus Christ and in union with him and through his blood. We pray that you would help us. Grant to us repentance and faith. Thank you for the glories and the beauties and the great superiority of the new covenant. Thank you that Jesus is better. Help us to stay with him. We pray in his name. Amen.